Okay, Katie, round two of all of this. So welcome we back, friends. Welcome back, friends. For more, if you're here for more, thank you for showing up. We're here for less. We're here for less. Yes, I love it. Okay, so somebody that listened to our podcast um, sent me a quote and you and I shared it with you and we both loved it. I'd actually never heard this quote before. Had you? Me neither. And it's a heads up. It's a bit, of, it's a long one. Yeah. This it's quotation. A long one, but it's really good. Yeah. So shout out to Alyssa. Alyssa. Thank you. Love you, girl. Thank okay. you. Um, and it's by St. John Chrysostom, who I really like, but the only quotes I've ever heard of him are about marriage, which are like out of this world. Amazing. Um, but I'd never heard anything about material possessions. So I'm going to read it. Share what you have, lest you lose what you have. Spend what you possess on the needs of others in order to keep what you possessed. Do not cling to what you own, lest it be taken away from you. Do not hoard your treasures, lest they rot and become worthless. And trust all your wealth to God, because then it is protected against all who want to steal or destroy it. Do you understand what these injunctions mean? Or do they sound like nonsense to you? To the person without faith, they mean nothing. But to the person with faith, they mean they make perfect sense. Faith tells us that God alone can supply the material things on which we depend. He gives some people more than they need, not that they can enjoy great luxury, but to make them stewards of his great bounty on behalf of orphans, the sick, and the crippled. If they are bad stewards, keeping this bounty to themselves, they will become poor in spirit and their hearts will fill with misery. If they are good stewards, they will become rich in spirit, their hearts filling with joy. I mean, when I read that, I was like, I think that's what I love about St. John Chrysostom is he just doesn't mince words. And he yeah. just is like, does this sound like nonsense to you? And, and I, I mean, he's really, really pointed about what, what we're supposed to do with our stuff. And I, I even, I mean, you know, I've had a lot of trouble getting rid of certain things. And after reading this, I was really like between our last meeting and this, I was really convicted. Like my stuff is not my stuff. Yeah. I, right. Like it's not, it's not my stuff. And furthermore, it's not about the stuff. It's about, me. It's about like my heart and my disposition. So anyway, right. that's kind of where my, my life has led me to be thinking about these things. And you and I have kind of talked about this a little bit, that it's really not about this stuff. So. No, it's not. And I, I love, I, so I have it on my phone. I love it so much that he mentions, he gives, he gives some people more than they need, not that they can enjoy great luxury, but to make them stewards of his great bounty on behalf of orphans, the sick and the crippled. So I homeschool the kids and I like forever ago when I decided, yes, this is for sure what I want to do. I had this idea, this concept of what I wanted our life to look like. And I thought we are shifting into a gear that's going to allow us to live very differently. And what am I going to do with that? Mm -hmm. And one of the hopes that I've always had was that we could go like work with the poor and go give to the poor and encounter them and encounter Christ in them. And I, 
for the longest time, didn't know how to avail myself of that kind of opportunity. Where do I start? Where do I look? Who do I talk to? And then a couple of Sundays ago at our church, we had donut Sunday and a, a couple of ladies got up and said, Hey, we're going with Catholic charities to one of the poorest counties in the state. And we would love for more help. And I grabbed the coordinator after, and I said, can I bring my young children? And because, you know, like organizations, they have insurance, liability stuff, and they, they got to think about those things. Would it be awesome for my kids to do this? Yes, absolutely. No argument, but they had to make sure that it would be allowed. And we got a call and they said that they would love to have us. So I think, um, starting this, this Tuesday. So I think about maybe the day that this releases, um, we'll be out and spending the day distributing household goods and diapers and other personal items, food to people who regularly depend on that generosity. Yeah. And I, I've heard that it is, especially in this part of Nebraska, it's, it's shocking. And I am so grateful to give my kids that experience. Yeah. You know, and to not just have them experience this once, but several times. I I want this to be our life. Yeah. So it's really great to consider that, you know. Yeah. It well, and I think it's interesting with kids, especially. Um, we've never done anything like that. I although like my kids have seen me, you know, hand cash to people here and yeah, there. Right. Yeah. I don't I mean, in where we live, I don't see a lot of people out and about. So this time of year, a little more, but we've never worked amongst the poor as a family. So my kids have really no concept of people being without anything. And this really, I sent you a video of this because I, I almost was like, gosh, have I just secluded my kids so much from for people that are in want or in need of things. So, and she's little, so I will give her that, but I was getting rid of stuff and, and it was heartbreaking. I talked about this last time, my little kid stuff. I just, it's just so hard for me. And, um, we had the snowsuit that all four of my girls have worn. We got it as a gift when my oldest, who's almost 13 was one. And so everybody's worn it. And I just have like this, these special winter memories with this thing. But after our last podcast and just, I don't know, just like, you know, maintaining a spirit of, no, this is what I'm about. Like, I don't need this anymore, or I'm not going to, I'm not going to need this for a while anyway. So I had all this stuff in a box and my daughters walked into this room and then they started pulling stuff out. They were like, well, but I actually wanted that. And then I actually, and, and then my four-year-old found the snowsuit and she was like, this is my favorite. And she, I'm like, well, what about the little girl who needs it? And she, I, I've been a mom a while. Like I should know she doesn't have a concept of the, the abstract hypothetical, like little girl or theoretical little girl out there somewhere who needs a coat. So I'm trying to explain this to her and she's like grasping this coat. Like, like, what are you thinking, mom? Like, this is my coat and tears and the whole bit. 
And it just broke my heart. And I just, it was almost more for me than for her. Like there is someone that needs this and we don't, we currently don't. This will sit in a closet until our hypothetical baby girl shows up. How many years from now? Like this isn't right. And, and at the same time, I was sympathetic to her because I know that feeling. I was also like, this is not ours to keep anymore. So, I mean, it's, it's a real, it's a real mind trip to kind of go like, to let go of those things that you kind of have like memories wrapped around yeah. and that just aren't useful to your life anymore. And that's kind of where I wanted to like take you because you talk about spiritual intimacy with Jesus. And I think that's a really great place to start. And even if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, like you have a relationship with the people that are around you and everybody reflects some kind of love or, or good um, presence in your life. And so what, how do we share or how do we cultivate within ourselves like this sharing mentality? Um, because I would say I do have not as intimate as I ought to. I know that. But I, I would say I have a pretty intimate relationship with God. Like, I know he loves me. I know I'm loved. I have experienced his providence many times. So I know he's attentive to my needs and my wants even. Um, so I, but I still struggle with like, well, but if I do have a baby girl, will I get a snowsuit? Like, will I have the means to get a snowsuit when I, I just had one a few years ago? So anyway, maybe you can talk about that, like. How do we know Jesus enough to know that, like what we need in our life or know that he will take care of us? Right. Oh, girl. Yeah. Kind of big fire hose questions again. Oh, is there any other kind, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Oh, such a good starting point. So um, I'll, I'll leave a brief story of my coat that I used to have, don't have anymore. Um, I was a student ambassador at my college. And if you're a student ambassador for two years, you got the like fancy black lands end coat with student ambassador embroidered and a logo. And it was like clutch, right? This thing was status. Ooh. And not only status, but it was like, it was a nice coat. Yeah. It was a like a really nice fall coat and very practical. And at some point I heard if you have two coats and your brother has none, one belongs to you, one belongs to your brother. So I was going through I think this is one of the very first times I was going through our home in Louisiana. And I came across, I, I was like, I have two of the same kind of jacket. I have this student ambassador one, and I have one that also fills this need. Um, and I like this one better. This one has sentimental value. It has my college's logo on it. It has meaning and memory. And it's a symbol of this time and this thing that I did mm -hmm. with these people. Sure, sure. But like I said, in our last conversation, it's like getting rid of a thing doesn't get rid of a memory. You know, yes, does it rid yourself of a physical cue 
of that memory? Yeah, sure. And that's okay. Yeah. So I parted with, with that jacket in the name of, okay, one belongs to me, one belongs to my brother. And, um, and it was, it was extremely gratifying. I actually, just the other day, I thought, man, I wish I had that jacket. <laughs> I got rid of it. Yeah. 12 years ago. And I haven't thought about it since. Uh, but I still have a jacket that fills the need. It's not about the jacket. It's about separating with something that's, it's just a created thing. Well, and don't you think like it's, you said something that made me think so much of our stuff is wrapped up in our identity too. And, and I think that's kind of where the spiritual intimacy part comes in or where, um, just being in touch with like who you are. And I know being in touch is kind of a modern term. Um, and I don't mean to go that direction necessarily, but, but just know, knowing who you are and what you need and, and what kind of identity you've curated for yourself even. Um, and sometimes that's not even a good thing. Like sometimes who we think we are is not the best parts of who we are. And, and I've realized that with my stuff is that I've created this identity around certain pieces of me. And it's like, when I, when it comes down to it, I'm like, do I, do I really want to be known for that though? And I've got so many, so many things that kind of like feed into this identity that I don't even, I myself don't even really care about, but maybe got some accolades along the way for that or some attention or whatever, or maybe it was the best time in my life or a really important, like pivotal poignant time in my life. And so I'm keeping that thing. Cause it's like part of who I am. Yeah. So yeah, I think that becomes kind of letting go becomes part of, um, shifting our perspective of ourselves, which is really, I mean, that can be a real blow to people. I, it has been for me. Yeah, well, and, and sometimes we we look at our stuff almost like branding, like marketing. Like yeah. I, a lot of my friends know that I I love vintage. I love antiques. Uh-huh. And uh, someone asked me recently, like the house was burning down, what would you grab? And I said, well, it would have to be a really slow burn because I would need to get my curio cabinet out <laughs> and my antique lawyer bookcase. And then there's this um, secretary desk that I have. <laughs> I was like, it'd have to be real slow burn. Um, and so there, there are things that I have that are, I even look at them and I'm like, that's very Katie Siba. It's yeah. very Katie Siba. Mm-hmm. But when we tie our identity, when we allow ourselves to be wrapped up in the things that we have, we lose ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when I recall that I'm made in the image and likeness of God, that I belong to God, then when I'm living accordingly, things fall into place. Yeah. The the priorities fall into place. I mean, the house caught fire, I grabbed my kids and run, you know? Um, and if I were to lose absolutely everything, I am still loved by the father. So it's, it's so tempting though, because we are body and soul. So, and we delight in the physical, like this, this is mine. This is mine. Mm -hmm. 
we're proud of it even like, oh, look, this is mine. One of my, my biggest points of pride in terms of possession is just my house. Love my house. It's this cute little 1940s house. Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely part of my branding, you know? (laughs) No, I, I completely understand that. And it, it does get really tricky when it, when it becomes too much. And I don't know what the line is. Like, I don't know where it's like, is this, is this a good thing that I'm just using and I just happen to have, or is this like, is this too much me? Like, am I too attached to this thing? And when you mentioned the fire, I I think I've spoken to you about this before my, this little game that I play with myself. Um, when I'm really serious, like when I get really serious, which is like probably laughable in the eyes of other minimalist people. Um, but when I get really serious about getting rid of stuff, I, that's how I do it. Some people are like, well, if you would go to a thrift store and, and buy that, or if you would go into a store and pay full price for that thing, then you can keep it. I'm like, well, that's not fair. Cause I don't, I only shop thrift. So the pricing, I never worry about that. Cause I, I rarely buy new. Um, but my thing is like, if this would be damaged in fire or flood, would I be sad? And there are so few things in my house that I would be truly sad about. Like so few things, even the sentimental things. I, I mean, I've really come to like realize like there are so few things in my house that I give so many cares about that that I need to keep. And And so why am I keeping all this stuff? You know, but when it comes, I think it's this idea of like, yeah, well, I might, I might use it someday. Um, and then I, and then I get like this intermittent, like, like, uh, ping, you know, where it's like, I never use anything. And then all of a sudden somebody's like, do you have a whatever, whatever? And I'm like, I do though, actually. I do. Yeah. And then I get this idea that like, see, that's why I keep the things because then somebody reinforcement. Yes. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah intermittent reinforcement where I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. I'm the person that has the things like, like, but even there it's like an identity thing, right? I'm reliable. People know they can come to me because I have the stuff. Right. You know, okay. I have- so I was giving a talk about simplicity and the holiness found in simplicity to a group of Catholic millionaires in Georgia. So in Georgia, during this Q and a session at the end of my talk, one gentleman raises his hand and he's sitting next to his wife who already like was looking. She said, don't ask her that. And he goes, I'm going to ask her. And I said, I can't wait to hear it. And he said, so how do you feel about tools? And I just kind of chuckled and I said, well, you might like what I have to say about tools, but she won't. (laughs) I grew up with the dad who was like the ultimate DIY guy and he had absolutely everything under the sun. And he kept saying to me over the course of my life, buy it once, even if you don't use it for 10 years, the next time you need it, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Which now that's like, as someone who endeavors to live simply, that's like, no, no. But, um, honestly, that concept fits so beautifully within my approach to living simply, which is like, who are you? What do you do? 
Yeah. What are your charisms? How do you live? Okay. So keep stuff that contributes to that. This, keep the stuff that contributes to you living authentically and generously with other people. Let's do that. And yeah. so if that means that you have way too many tools, according to some, then have, have a lot of tools. Sure. Um, anyway, it was just a, a funny experience, but I, I found that, yeah, I mean, if by other people's measure, you might have too much of something. Mm -hmm. So what, you know? So. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because I, I personally have been on a journey lately and by lately, I mean, probably within the last year for sure, six months, let's say. Um, I'm actually going through this book that I really, really love. It's called The Artist's Way. And she just asks you a lot of questions and you don't have to be an artist to go through it, by the way. But um, it's kind of just like reminding me of who God created me to be. And it's not a religious book at all, but it's like it's a 12 step book, sort of, which I love. Um, it's not like approved by you know, the 12 step organization, but, um, she, she practices that, but it takes you through this whole, like kind of your inventory, your personal inside inventory of who you are. And I, I'm really loving it because I'm like, yes, I think I mentioned last time I really love to do crafts, but when I think about it, yeah, I do, but it's not like my most favorite thing. It's really not. And like, people will notice that about me. They'll be like, oh, you made that? Or you, you did that? Or like, I used to make dolls and people would buy them. And I was like, well, people want these. And so I kept making them. And I remember sitting in this room. This is where I did all my sewing. Um, I remember doing the dolls and I just remember like, like I enjoyed it. But I remember one day I was sitting here and God literally was like, you're hiding. You're just hiding. And I was like, oh, God. because I could feel it in the pit of my soul. I knew it was God speaking to me. And I, I knew that he was right. I was hiding because I think oftentimes we do hide behind our stuff or we hide behind our own identities that we make for ourselves because God always wants us to do so much more than we even think we can. And, and it's usually a little uncomfortable. Like it's not painful necessarily can be, but it's usually uncomfortable because it's so outside of what we think we're capable of or what yeah. we even begin to imagine. But one thing I love is I love talking to people. And one thing that when I was making the dolls, I was not talking to people. I was down here listening to other people talk on podcasts and listening to music, which I love. Um, but I was totally secluded and isolated. And on, on a certain level and in a certain time and place and to a certain measure, that's good for me because that's my personality, but it was too much. And I was like, unless I take this to like the nth degree and start my doll making corporation, which I had no, no, like the thought of that just made me sick. And so I was like, I got to just wrap this up. I just got to quit doing this. And that was easy for me to let go. Because I heard so clearly, you're just hiding. You're just hiding. How well, many of us use, so we have gifts, talents, charisms, et cetera, from God. And we're supposed to use them for others. 
and how many of us turned and used them as like an escape. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because they're there. You can go immoderate in that way because mm -hmm. there are, there are so many things that I love to do that are just me. I do them alone. Mm -hmm. It's, it's my thing, but I, you know, you feel if you're doing this a little, a little too much, what, what are you neglecting? Okay. Well, wait, I'm married. I have children. How are, how are they doing? Right. These are my life's priorities. Yeah. Making sure I'm attending to these things. It's great and good to go do you right. But for me, I've had that similar experience of, okay, yes, this is you and this is good. Rain it in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are you running from? What are you running from? Yeah. Because, well, for me, it's like, there's this really, um, like, if I'm just being real honest, there's this really lazy part of myself, really like, and selfish part of myself where I'm just like, I just don't, I just don't want to, you know, what did Phoebe say in friends? I wish I could help, but I don't want to, you know, yeah, like that's how I, we actually joke about that in the house. Cause I, cause to me, that's honest, you know, like I wish I could, but I don't want to. And that's just how I feel sometimes. I'm like, I just, I don't actually want to do the things that God's asking me to do. And yeah. you mentioned charisms earlier. And years ago, I went through this program. I can't even, I think it was through like the St. Siena, St. Catherine of Siena Institute or something. Mm -hmm. What was it called? Can't even remember what it was called. I looked for my book, wouldn't you know, couldn't find it. Um, which I'm really disappointed. I'm like, did I give that away? No, give it away? No. Please don't get to give that away. Some stupid act of like, oh, I'm just going to pass it on to the next person. Anyway, so I went Not to stupid. We highly encourage that. Okay. Okay. Because I can buy another. I can get another one probably. Well, and okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. I'm not going to okay. hijack the story. Go on. Yeah. Go. Okay. So, so anyway, I was, well, why I was looking for the book was not necessarily to like um, go over it again, but I, I was kind of like, I wonder what my charisms are. Cause I've taken, there's like a quiz. And so I was like, I wonder, I kind of remembered one of, one of my charisms, but I was like, what were the other ones? So that's why I was looking for the book and I couldn't find it. Um, but anyway, I got online and so I have, there's 24 charisms, which I had totally forgot about that. There are so many charisms and that they're gifts that God gives us. They're like gratuitous gifts that he gives us and it's just how he made us. So it kind of lines up with the stuff that you kind of naturally are drawn to um, are probably in part, if not in total, the thing that God gave you to serve him and serve your neighbor. And so I was like, well, I need to figure this out again so I can get my life in order. But one of them is crafts craftsmanship. And I'm pretty sure that was probably in my top five. Cause I do like to do those kind of things. Anyway, I, I took some, took some guesses at what my, my charisms are, but it just even thinking about that, like how much joy, like, where do I find joy generally? 
And so I was really given that a thought and trying to piece together, like, what are my charisms? Because where do I find joy and where do I feel most alive? And I can say without a doubt, talking to people about things that matter is, I don't know what charism that falls into. I, I have no idea. But that, like, like you and I've been talking, I feel like, like uh, euphoric almost when I get done talking, when I, when I get done having a really good conversation with people, I am just like off the charts. My energy level goes through the roof. I'm just like flying around the house or wherever I am. I just feel so filled with like, oh, I just love, I really truly love listening to people and just like, tell me more about your life and who you are. I don't know what that is, but anyway, I would rather do that all day long with some breaks because I am melancholic and I do like my alone time. I would rather do that any day of the week than sit in my room alone and sew or Mm -hmm. do a paper craft or whatever other like Hobby Lobby experiment that I find, you know, I I would, I would just rather have somebody across from me and just like tell me all the things let's talk I think that's such a great gauge of discovering your own charisms too with or without an assessment because I mean what what is it that makes you effervescent you know just makes you bubble over with joy and I know for me whenever I have a speaking engagement usually afterwards I'm like Mm -hmm. and I of it. Or after I have a session with a client and we're working really with a whole lot of focus to simplify their lives, I feel like I'm on top of the world. And it's not at all this. It's not a feeling of me, 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 look how great I am, but it's this, look what I I've been able to give. Like I I've loved giving in that sense. Um, so I think in some vein, I imagine, uh, maybe teaching Mm -hmm. is a charism of mine, not in a conventional way, like classroom, as we would typically think. So, um, teaching and then, um, intercessory prayer. Mm. I, and especially, especially, and this is something I've discovered just recently. Um, I love praying for the dying. When I find out that somebody's like, like on their way out, I like I it affects my whole person. What? And I will like I'm I will spend so much time just begging for God's mercy for that person and begging for God's consolation for their family and for their friends. And I it really does feel like a very spiritual experience because it's not something that I just like, okay, well, I'm going to shift into this experience. You know, it's, it is from God. And, uh, and, and then after I learn that they pass away, I'm like, Oh, (sighs) wow. That's interesting. So it's almost like mercy too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so even at the same time, um, I think that that's the the core thing of the charisms is that at at once it makes you 
full of life and full of joy and but it and it makes you generous but it also is just like a huge wave of ripple to to the community to people that you may not even ever have contact with or ever know it's just it just radiates out and i think that that's just that, that it's so important to find out what your charisms are and which is so surprising to me because I love this kind of stuff and so that's yeah. why it's like why can't I find my book why don't I know what my I should know what my charisms are because I like that kind of stuff just yeah. on a level but like on a spiritual level it's that's actually really important information so I know how to um mold my life so that it reflects what my charisms are so that I can live more, so I can live more fully so that also other people can live more fully because we're, it's like this symbiotic, you know, ordered relationship, which is obviously how God designed us to be. And isn't it when you're like in, I mean, you, you might call it like in your zone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's almost like a, a transfiguration, right? So I think of yeah. the story of the Lord being transfigured and how he was like in full glory. And though, of course I am not the Lord, <laughs> uh, but when I am working and living out of my charism, I feel full of life and I am joyful. And I'm also eager to give, 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 give. And anything else, it just like the things that don't matter, they just dissolve. Yeah. Away, and I find myself quite indifferent to mm-hmm. things that don't matter mm-hmm. when I'm operating out of my charisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's my big question for you. Here's a fire hose question. <laughs> Those are the best kind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you've got just, if you're just buried, let's just go back to that quote, which was Joshua Becker, by the way, perhaps the way of living is buried underneath all of it you own. I kind of tweaked it a bit because although Joshua Becker has a very good quote, I think if in relation to God, like perhaps the life I created for you and all the ways you could be beneficiaries of my goodness are buried underneath all that you own. Like that to me is more convicting than just like, well, I have a dream of doing this thing because you could sell all your stuff to chase this dream that you think is your dream, but it's not actually like, and then, and then you find like, oh, whoops, like that actually wasn't it. (laughs) Not satisfying at all. Right. So let's just say you got a house full of stuff and you're trying to figure it out. What? what God wants of you, where would one begin with that? Let, and let's just, let's just even go further and pretend maybe I don't have a relationship with Christ. I don't even really care about that. So yeah. like, where would, where would some, where, how would you work with somebody? Like, how would you propose people begin to live more fully out of who they are while simultaneously trying to dig themselves out of whatever ego trip kind of thingsville that they've built around themselves thingsville i love that we're gonna use that in our book that i'm okay. sure we'll get around to writing someday 
You know, when you're living in Thingsville. Thingsville. I live in Thingsville. <laughs> um, can I yeah. just, Katie, can I just tell everybody who's watching what we did before we got? I was just going to do that. Yes, go, go. Okay, or you can. <laughs> So Katie and I, like our backgrounds look all pretty, right? And then we we're joking because I was like, Katie, you should just see the room that I'm sitting in. Like, it looks great back here. There's even an empty shelf, but like, this is my husband's office. It's our kind of our catch-all room. It's our, what we call our arts and crafts room. So we, Katie and I have Marco Polo and we Marco Poloed like everything you all don't see. And we were just <laughs> laughing because I won. I won. I had more stuff, but barely by a nose, <laughs> but like, but things aren't what they seem. <laughs> They're not what they seem. There's a lot of things. And I'm looking around every time I come in here to do this podcast, I'm like, you're such a joke. You got so much stuff that doesn't even make sense. Like it doesn't, none of it. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Progress, not perfection, my dear. We're good. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm just like always in progress and it's just, okay. it's just getting... we're out of breath. Yeah. Yeah. But I kind of want to reach a point where it's like, I'm not thinking about how many more Amazon boxes I have to tell my husband to put in our garage so I can put stuff in it to have him take it to the thrift store. You know, like that's the point of life where we are right now, where I'm just like, I just need to have the boxes because if I put them in my totes, then I got to like, it's this whole thing. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, so we say we have this pile of boxes for Erin to put all of her stuff in so she can get rid of it without flipping out. Yeah, we can anyway. talk about that. Yeah, we do need to talk about like that. Like I said before, a certain set of skills. Yeah, okay. it's really okay. right now. probably because I'm sleep deprived and have decision fatigue, but it's a real thing. We do that a is a real, yeah, a whole episode on decision fatigue. Okay, so I'm going to um, bring you in back to our question. Okay. Remember the question? Yep, totally do. Okay, so how would I work with um, someone who's not necessarily, uh, how, how would you say that? Like, not... Maybe somebody who's not interested in charisms or like doesn't doesn't really care about God or what he what he wants in life. So we'll we'll go so that a secular way. approach. A secular yeah. approach. And then we can also go and then we can talk later about what if you do care. Okay. What if you do? Okay. So <laughs> secular approach is um first I would ask, what are your priorities in your life? And honestly, the best way to figure out your priorities is not necessarily by just asking a person. Because what do we all say? Like, well, family, friends, da da da. We say we say these things, but then when you do an audit of your time, mm -hmm. like that is far more revealing. So, if you look at how you're spending your time and then compare it to what you say your priorities are, then maybe, okay, well, maybe we need to do some shifting, rearranging. But I would start with what are the, the demands or priorities on your time? And um, at the top, 
of that or like primal within that primal maybe <laughs> you know primal of prime import and in that answer would be what are the relationships in your life that need you to be there so yeah. i'm thinking spouse kids okay. right um do you help take care of aging parents hmm. that kind of thing are there are there people who depend on you? And I'm not talking about at the office. Yeah. So these relationships need you to be on your A game, available, dependable, reliable. What do you need to contribute to that? And then who, if, I, if I'm not going to use the term charisms, I would discuss with that person, what is it in your life that is life-giving? Hmm. So even though that tends to be kind of a, a Christian term, a lot of people understand it. Yeah. It's life-giving. Oh gosh, you know, you just imagine this, this bubbling over, right? So what are the important relationships? What is it in your life that is life-giving? Mm -hmm. If you had a few hours, how would you spend those hours? So what, what do you want in life? What are your goals presently? I remember before I started saving for Iceland, I started talking about it. Like I was going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Iceland. I'm going to go to Iceland. And then at one point I realized I really wasn't doing much to get myself there. I thought, okay, well, I have to figure out if this is real or not. Am I going or am I not? Yeah. Action. Is this relationship important to you or is it not? Okay. So examining those personal details and it's, it's psychological. It is very personal. That is the first step of examining. What do I need? Yeah. What do I need for that? Yeah. And going honestly room by room, not even room by room. Sometimes it's corner by corner, mm -hmm. square foot by square foot, yeah. stretch of counter than this one, you know, yeah. and addressing your possessions through that lens. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a process and it does take, I think maybe that's what stalls some people out is that it, you really do kind of, if you take that approach, if it's not just about getting rid of things, if it's more about how am I living my life and who yeah. am I, it's a much more, I got to be careful about my adjectives. <laughs> like to me, it gets primal. Okay. You're fine. <laughs> to me, it can be daunting because, no. because you find out about things that you're like, gosh, I really don't know myself all that well. or or this, or, or there's like, for me, there's a lot of embarrassment, like, gosh, I've been hanging on to this thing. And it's actually causing so many problems in my life because I have to, like, for me with clothes, we have this whole closet with clothes and it's just every time the kids, like right now, I thought I got out all the winter stuff right now. The kids are like, but I don't have any gloves. I'm like, I don't even know where to begin to look for gloves. I did find them, but you know, it's just like, if you have too much of everything, then, then it, it, it impedes you from actually doing the things that you need to do. 
And so then for me, I get, I get embarrassed or I'm like mad at myself. Like it brings up all these emotions. I just frankly don't have time to deal with, you know, in a, in a, uh, in a healthy way. Like I just find myself in the moment, just like, why does everybody need everything for me right now? And I can't find anything. And I thought I was super organized and I'm actually not. And like, everything's behind something else. And it's just like, you know, I, and so I just put it off because it's, it's daunting. And, um, and then I, I do, I always kind of have this tape in the back of my head of like, what could life be like if I could just let go? If I could just let go, like there would be so much more harmony and, and peace in the home. And I could focus, like I could get my head in the game literally. And like, look my kids in the eye. And so even at the beginning, when I said, it's not about stuff, like it's even about events or the things that you choose to do or what kind of, what kind of stuff that you intake reading or people that you're spending time with or whatever. It's not solely just like you can only have so many items in your home. It's like, it's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. And my husband and I are just recently, we're just yesterday, we looked at each other and we're like, and not that it's about happiness, but we were, but like, both of us are mildly unhappy with how our life is currently. And it's because we've, we've said yes to too many things. And so we're like, not home, nobody's eating supper together, or there's only like certain people. And then these other people are like, gotta, gotta go, gotta go. And like, and we're always like interrupting the baby while he's napping. And it's, it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, is this like, why are we doing all this? It seems so stupid for like what we, what we profess to, to believe in as far as like a lifestyle, we're actually living very opposite than that. Yeah, And it's heartbreaking because again, like I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, you know, everybody's grown up and everybody's getting older and I'm getting older and energy level is different. And, you know, it's just like, I'm trying to just reclaim everything. And you got something to say. I want to hear it. <laughs> no, I'll just, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. Spill it. <laughs> hey, so I think your experience is a super common one. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Oh my yeah. gosh. Especially when it comes to I have this family. I've been married for a while. We're running from thing to thing to thing. We've said yes to too many things, both on behalf of our family and individually. And it, it's nuts. Thank God for those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I am truly in its absolute real definition, exhausted. Mm-hmm. I am spent completely, right? Mm-hmm. When you have that realization, you can decide to make it a wake-up call mm-hmm. and say, all right, so we've said yes to too many things. And a lot of them are so good. It's not like we we decide to do things that aren't good for us and 
or a fun way to spend our time or a productive way to spend the time, but is it the best way to spend your time? Well, all right. If you realize that it's not, then shift gears and go forward. I encounter a lot of people in my work when I go into a client's home who punish themselves. Right. I can't believe, and a lot of us, we have that moment. I can't believe all this stuff. Where did it come from? What have I done? What have we done? Okay, well, sure. Let's have some self-examination later. Right now, we'll just work on it a little bit at a time. How do you eat an elephant? Yeah. One bite at a time. Right. And it is daunting. It is daunting when you look at the whole of not just your house that has too much stuff in it, but you look at your calendar and you're like, how am I going to have time to purge that one shelf of the closet when I have to take this girl to ballet, this girl to piano, and I've got to go to my Bible study. You that know? Is so, yeah, that's so my, um, yeah, that's so my experience every day. I, I'm almost speechless because that's every day what I'm dealing with. And I feel like taking taking things off my calendar or taking things out of my house is depriving my children of like something. I don't even know what. I think it's this looming fear of like, well, if I take them out of this thing, then they're going to not become, you know, whatever that thing would lead them to become. And I have to remind myself that God is bigger than my events and he's bigger, like he, he can just do anything. I mean, he did with me. Like I, I didn't grow up with technology. I didn't grow up doing anything that I'm currently doing now, really. And, and he still made something of my life, you know? And I don't even know how he did it because I didn't always, I wasn't always so like, yes, do with me what you please. Or like, you know, I, I wasn't. And so, but he still, he still makes a way all the time. So you know, uh, a bit of wisdom that my mother-in-law shared with me absolutely forever ago, but I've always held on to it. And I love it so much. She told me, you cannot stop the will of God any better than an aunt can stop you from crossing the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine like the scale of an ant, so insignificant, yeah. you know, if, if you see an ant, are you going to be like, oh, 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 it's not going to change your course at all. No. The Lord still moves, still works within you, with you, and his plan will always have an opportunity because that's who he is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not dependent on our stuff. And in fact, well, I was just reading the other day in, in the gospel, was it gospel of Luke where he's like, just take nothing with you. You don't need to take anything with you. And I was like, well, like nothing though. You know? <laughs> oh, it's nothing. just, nothing. yeah, nothing. And then, so I read that. And then actually that night I was scrolling through Facebook as you do. One does. Yeah. And I, and I saw this article of this couple who they sold everything except for their family heirlooms. And then they took their children and they traveled the world. 
And, and I was like, well, that sounds like a boatload of fun. Like that just sounds so fun. And if only we could do something like that. I don't know if I'd want to travel the world quite honestly, but like just the idea of somebody doing that, or you hear of people that are like, we're selling everything and we're just going to create a new life, or we're going to buy an RV with the sale of our house. And we're going to travel the country and show our kids stuff. Wow. I mean, I, it's really becoming real to me, even after all the years that we've talked and even, even before I knew you, there was something about simplicity that, that drew me, you know, that I was just like, there's, it was just something appealing. Like my mom had it kind of a thing for the Amish. Like she really liked reading Amish stories and occasionally, you know, like on 60 minutes or something, they would be like, they would interview like Amish people or, or something. And there, there was something so exquisite about how simple and beautiful their lives were having none of the creature comforts really that we have. And, um, anyway, so I just, every once in a while, kind of entertain that idea of like how tethered I am to material belongings. And I can't remember which saint said it, but, and I'm going to probably like slaughter this, but it was like, you're going to knock it out of the park, going to knock it out of the park. But it was like you, it a, a bird, a bird held down by a, a light thread or a chain. Do you know which quote I'm talking about? Is still yeah. tethered. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, like you're still tethered to this world. And I, there's just something about that, that like, I don't know, my, my mentality tends to be all or nothing. And so I'm just like, let's just pack it all up and get rid of it. But, um, so I told you this, but I'm reading this book called soulful simplicity. And it's by this woman named Courtney Carver. And I, I, I kind of knew who Courtney was before. I didn't know it was, I didn't know her name, but she started that project 333 and she did have a wake up call. Like she was, she was young, I think in her early forties, I can't remember how old she said she was, but she got a call one day. She'd been feeling really ill and she got a call from her doctor that she had MS mm-hmm. and I think her daughter was only eight and her, her only child. And she was like, it was just kind of my wake up call. Like, I don't have the energy to like live my life this way anymore. And so she, um, she totally changed her life. And the project 333 was eventually she chose 33 items for, of clothing for three months. And she was like, it totally revolutionized my life. Like nobody noticed that I was wearing the same dress to everything. No, just nobody noticed. And, and she was like, and I was amongst people who cared about fashion, like who would normally notice she was like, nobody noticed. I woke up and was just like, that's what I'm wearing today. Cause it was easy. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of on a little monologue there, but just like, just this idea of like not having so many things to like filter through and, and the decision fatigue. I think a lot of my decision fatigue is just like, I gotta go hunt for my charism book amongst all my other books that I don't read. I'm always getting books from the library. Do I ever read these? No, I don't. You know, like occasionally. And I was set to get rid of my books. This is a little bit of a tangent. But I was listening to a podcast. And somebody I admire and respect was talking about his home library. He said, I don't read all the books. They're just tools. 
And I was like, ah, justification for me to keep my books. You know, probably never going to read them, but they're tools. And so maybe, maybe I will just pull one out here and there. Anyway. Girl, I love, I love, okay. What this is what's so cool about you is that you have, you, you go down to the detail and I am a bottom line person. So everything you just said, like from a 30,000 foot view sounds like electing to live your life differently. Mm-hmm. So there is, I don't know, do you call it the status quo? You go to college, you graduate college, you get the job, you get married, you have the kids, you have your nine to five, you clock in, you come home, somebody cooks dinner, help the kids with their homework, everybody goes to bed, you wake up, you do it again. And this is the American dream. And it's all blurry and crazy and tired. So, but you know, what's so cool about the stories of people who sell it all, they buy the RV, they, they travel the country they don't buy the rv and they travel the globe there's something there's a method of homeschooling called world schooling you don't really have a place that you live but you just travel the world and you you learn about the world and you're teaching your kids about it at the same time mm-hmm. amazing right and so what do we do when we hear stories like that like with this with project 333 with world schooling, whatever, we're like, wow, if only, wouldn't that be so cool? But you don't have to do the, if only, you can actually just do it if you want to. Yeah. One of my favorite things, one of my favorite questions to ask an audience when I'm speaking about living simply is what do you want? What do you want? What, what sounds like uh, just peace to you? What is that? Okay, well, let's go get it. And, and sometimes you need an extra set of eyes. You need helping hands. You need another brain to help you figure out how do I go get that? But it's absolutely possible. We're so anchored to not only our stuff, what we think we should have, but we're also anchored to what we think we should be doing with our time. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't have to. When my husband started his own business and he was withdrawing from a corporate environment, he told a colleague, well, yeah, I'm, I'm starting my own video production company. And I remember him telling me about this exchange and the colleague just like, man, I I wish I could do something like that. And it just kind of went somewhere else imagining, oh man, I wish, you know, but you know what you can do what you want. And no, that's, that is so easily said of course right. and it takes work to get to do what you want to do right but it's worth pursuing if you're miserable if you're stuck in a rut if you're hearing inspiring stories and thinking to yourself if only i mean that's that's not a place to live right so there's a couple things that i i love about this and i i i wish i could practice i wish if only huh? 
if, if like, I wish I could practice this more consistently in my life. So, and it's all from books that I like to read, but there's one book that I read every year and it's called Essentialism by Greg McKee. Did you read it? Yeah, you did. Um, Love that book. His name wrong. Greg McKeon, I think is how you say his name. Anyway, but he has a scale of like, if it's, it, it's a 10 point scale and you only say yes to the things that are uh, eight or above, you can't choose seven. So if you rate something like six, it's an automatic no. Like you either, yeah. if you're not just immediately like, yes, then it's a no. And so there's that rating system, but also, um, you know, like I struggle with this idea of like going after my dreams because <clears throat> one, I don't really like there's trade-offs. There's yeah. always trade-offs. So I like the idea of world schooling or just like doing things different. Um, and I, I often kind of say this in jest, but like sometimes even the clothes I wear or choose to wear, it's just costuming up because the people that I'm with, that's what everybody wears. And it, it kind of goes into this deeper, like anthropological place of like, you kind of dress similarly to the people that you're around so that you're kind of part of the group and stuff. And I think that's what stalls people out on like doing those radical things. Like we're just going to sell everything because it, it sort of removes you from this community you're in because you're not doing the status quo thing. And so you're, you are doing something different and maybe your parents or your siblings or, or your neighbors or your friends or the people that you care about are going to go, you've lost your mind. You've just like lost your mind. What are you doing? You know, and, and when you're called into question in that way to live differently, even if it's for your sanity, even if you absolutely know that's what you should be doing, it's a struggle. I would say to, to have to like, you have to find that extra, like ugh, to defend that Well, I'm doing this because, because other people aren't going to get it and it's not their thing. So you kind of have to, you kind of have to accept the trade-off of I'm, I'm really convicted that this is what I'm supposed to do and get rid of all the things. Right. And for me right now, it feels really ridiculous. Like where we lived before we lived in a smaller home. So it would have made sense for me to just be like, I'm going through my stuff. Cause we just don't have the room, but here in this house, I'm like, well, we got the room, but we really don't. I like square footage. Yes. Here and here in my heart. No, I don't have the room for this stuff anymore. And, um, and so I, for me, I kind of do the need that bigger vision of like, am I going to live even if I don't do world schooling or we don't do an RV or we don't just like, you know, 180 change everything. I have to imagine something that may never happen. And it always comes down to, you were giving me, uh, you were kind of joking with me because the notes I sent you about this before you were like, it all has to do with death. Well, yeah, because Ultimately, that's what's all, that's what's going to happen to us all. And eventually none of us are getting out of here alive. None of us are getting out of here alive. And like, and, and like probably some very important people to me are going to die, you know, soon ish, like in the next 15, 20 years, probably. And I always think about that day and I'm like, is my life put together enough 
to be able to handle that? Hmm. The answer is always no for me. Like there's too much going on. And so that's right now for me as morbid. I I mean, I'll give myself a, a, my, that's my caveat. I, that's just, God built me that way. I don't know if you have problems with that, take it up with him. <laughs> I just, I used to listen to Phil Collins for fun as a kid, you know, and just like cry. It was just fun for me. <laughs> anyway, that's just kind of how I, like, I'm always just like, we're all just going to die. Let's think about that. Like I, you know, that's just how I am. But, but like that actually motivates me because I'm like, I actually really want to like live a good life. It's a very Catholic thing, right? Memento Mori, like think about your, the end of your life and, and you will never sin. But for me, it's like, think about the end of my life. And do I want to spend every weekend for the rest of my life going through crap in my house? No, I don't. I don't. Because it makes me miss my relationships with my kids, with my husband, with, you know, outside. Like, I just would like to go outside on one of these nice days instead of having this tab open of like, oh, yeah, you got like all this stuff downstairs that you need to. Can I speak to that? Do it. That's why we're here. That's an argument that I hear against simplifying. Well, you know, time is short. Time is precious. I don't want to spend my time going through box after box after box, shelf after shelf. I don't want to do that because I'm going to miss out on the life that I'm trying to live. Like, okay, good, fair. What's the life you're trying to live? What do you want? Mm -hmm. What do you want for your family, for yourself? The idea that you can you can have one or the other is a, it's a false dichotomy. And slowly ridding of your, your home of excess, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And even though there will be phases when maybe you have more time, more resources, whatever, to devote a day, a weekend, whatever significant amount of time you have to doing some hardcore, ruthless purging. Sure, do that. But the rest is just incorporating atomic habits into your lifestyle, these small adjustments that have a high return over time. Like, okay, what if every time I open my front door and get my mail, I stand there and I go through it immediately mm -hmm. instead of just tossing it onto the table. And then in four days, I have a stack. And I don't know what's in that stack aside from maybe some coupons, maybe some bills. Oh no, maybe there's a check in there, right? Go through your mail immediately. If a cup breaks, you know, throw it away. Do you have to replace it? No, no, you're good. You're good without one cup. You're good. So if you take these small, just small incremental movements, when I fold my laundry, especially like kid loads, right? Kid loads and parent loads, they are never washed together, Same. right? Because they're on different levels of grossness, okay? Yeah. Kids are way grosser than we will ever be. And when I am making stacks, you know, so we have five kids in the house. I have six piles because it's this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid, donate. 
And then I take that donate pile. So, okay, hey kids, come take your piles, go put them away. I take the donate pile and I put them in the box that I have in the back of my van. Wow. And then you drive around with it for six months in the back of your van. Not six months, girl. Mm -hmm. I am not that person. I've seen that meme. I know what you're talking about. No. When the box gets full, I'm like, oh, sweet. And I swing by St. Vincent de Paul, Goodwill, wherever it is. And I drop off the box. Or after I have a session with clients, I offer haul away. So I'm like, all right, have you gone through some stuff? Great. Let's load up my vehicle so you can experience the lightness immediately. And you don't have to have another task. I'll take your stuff away. And whenever I donate their stuff, I also throw in my own too, whatever's in the back. And it happens on a, on a regular basis. So when we have those small habits, then you find that you've made a lifestyle out of simplifying. And it doesn't always require these hardcore, very exhausting sessions. Yes, that is really, I think the key of it. And I've, I've seen this so many times and I don't know why I haven't implemented it, but keeping a box in every bedroom, I wouldn't do this necessarily now with my kids being as little as they are, but even keeping a box in my bedroom and just noticing, like, I never wear that shirt into that box. It goes. And then when the box is full, just knowing full, well, I can get rid of that stuff in peace. And I don't have to worry about needing that or, or whatever. But I think that is something that's become clearer to me too, is that, um, these little habits go a long way, but also that my worry about not having what I need is, is like heavy on the scale. Mm -hmm. So that's tends to be why I keep things. Um, because I've also had the experiment, uh, the experience too, of like, uh, like this happened to me when COVID hit and there was the toilet paper shortage. You remember toilet paper apocalypse 2020? Yeah. I had just, Nothing. yeah. And then people on the internet were like, well, here's what you can do if you don't have access to toilet paper. I had just like literally weeks before that had happened. I had just gotten rid of all, you know, the squirt bottles that you get after having a baby. I yeah. had like seven of those. I had just threw all of those away. I also happened to have that. I never had used it, but I had a diaper. Uh, you took it up to your toilet and it's like a hose. It's like a power sprayer for like cloth diapers. Somebody had yeah. given me one of those years ago, never had used it. And I finally was like, you know what? Just gonna give this away. And then like four weeks later, people are like, you could use, if you have a diaper sprayer, you can use it like a bidet. And I'm like, I just, just, so I've had that experience of like, just having given stuff away and then finding like, oh my gosh, I could have used that actually. I just didn't think a worldwide pandemic was going to happen. And I was going to not have toilet paper prepared for this. How could anyone anticipate that? But like, you know, I just. I've had that experience where I, I get rid of stuff. And so I just keep and keep and keep. But this book that I told you I'm reading about the artist way, she constantly says in there, like you, and she, and she refers, because she's 12 steps, she refers to God as a higher power. But she, she says, your higher power loves you, loves you yeah. and wants you to have the things that you need. 
And I just read this the other night. That's why I'm so like emphatic about it. Cause I just was like, he does. He does. He really loves me and he wants me to have what I need. And I'm over here scrounging as if there were no God who was providential and loving and will, will give me his precious daughter, everything she needs when she needs it. So consider the, the lilies of the field. Remember that the sparrows, they neither sow nor reap. You are worth more than many sparrows. Yep. Uh, One of my favorite, favorite verses to consider is uh, Psalm 143. And I think it's verse five. And it's quite simply, I'm used on what your hand has wrought. I think when we're detaching from something, be it material, temporal, relationships. You consider the fact that God has provided for you always, mm-hmm. maybe not in the way you wanted him to provide, but in the way that he, you needed him to provide, right? He provides through others. How many, how many bags of hand-me-downs did I get as a young mom with this overflowing number of toddlers that kept showing up to my house. I don't even know where they came from, but I kept getting these donations of clothing right when I needed them or right before I needed them. And it was, we were always provided for. Mm -hmm. And what's difficult for us, I think, especially as Americans, is having confidence that God will provide for us through others when we want to be self-sufficient yeah, and made, you know, like self-made man built from the ground up, whatever, like pick, pick one of those phrases, right? It's that whole identity thing again, isn't it? Like I, yeah, the self-made, I did this and As what, so, well, yeah, it's a myth, but it's also just totally not true. We're never, we're never, we never are who we are all on our own ever. Oh my gosh. That it's just like, if if you sit and think about it, you're like, you didn't actually build that company by yourself. There was a whole host of people and hoops that you had to jump through that involved other people. It's always people. You didn't do it by yourself. Maybe it was like your idea or whatever, but like you, there's no way you did that all by yourself. Even who you are as a person, the the principles you hold, the thoughts you have, the charisms you have, we stand on the shoulders of so many people. Yeah. Always, always. And it and isn't that wonderful? Isn't that so great? It's so freeing. We don't have to just burrow ourselves into this concept of I need to, I am a rock, I'm an island. You know, I am self-made and I can stand on my own two feet and I'm fine. No, you don't. No, no, no. And that's a lonely life. Have you ever seen Family Man with Nicolas Cage? Yeah. He's just alone. And then he realizes, should have married, what's her name? Taya Leone, whatever her 
beautiful pro bono lawyer. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's just, we, yeah, we're not, we are not meant to be alone. We're part of, we're supposed to be a part of the community. Um, I kind of want to tie this up, wrap this up, but I want to ask you kind of this last question because you, you mentioned gratitude. And I think, I think that maybe is like providence and gratitude are kind of the undercurrents of this whole conversation along with charisms and like, what does God want from us? But like when people are going through stuff and this is, this is totally going light. This is a light question. Marie Kondo, who, who did the, the, what is it? The magic art of tidying up or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. She, changing magic of tidying up. Yes. Yes. Thank you. She has this whole idea of like, like pick it up. Does it spark joy? Um, no. Okay. Thank it. Thank the item and then move along. Is there anything to that? Or like, what's the technique? So we've gotten, we've, we've, gotten our charisms nailed down. We know what we're about. Is it just, is it more just the conviction of, I know what I'm about now, so I don't need this. Or is there an element of like, thank you thing. I really appreciated your presence in my life. Is that, is that woo woo wee or like, what are your thoughts about that? Does so that we help? Have help the, it, I, uh, we have the, kids book that Marie Kondo wrote, which is really good. It's very, very good, but it does mention a part towards the end where somebody says like, okay, getting rid of the thing, then say thank you to the thing and let it go. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think inanimate objects for being in my life. Yeah. When they have had no intention of being so and have no intention of leaving, like wouldn't it, this in my mind, it's ridiculous. So when I'm parting with material possessions, I thank God for mm -hmm. providing for me materially. And then I thank God for his wisdom. Like, I don't need this thing anymore. It's a created thing. Can someone else be blessed by this? Great. Let's do that. So no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to thank a shirt, you know, <laughs> it's, it doesn't, it has never made any sense to me. I feel very passionately about this. I'm like, no, you don't think. think. I could tell when you were like doing your eyebrow, like, tell what are you going to ask me about? And, and I think a lot of her techniques were really genius. Yeah. Like, she, like her, the way she took people through, that was the one thing where I was like, I don't know about that. But like, after I read the book, I actually did it one time and I felt so silly. I think it's just because of my belief system. Of course, she's probably from a very different belief system. Yes, absolutely. Everything is like one and, and all of that. But Caveat, yep. Yeah. And so, and and I, I mean, I kind of, I kind of get it, but the, I think that's for another podcast, but I, I tried it once and it was with a shirt and I was just like, I'm never doing that again. Like, <laughs> I'm never doing that again. And it did turn into who actually do I need to thank for this? You know, because I do think that there is a spirit of like being grateful for the things that you've used, uh -huh. and whatever their purpose may have been. Um, and to, to just be grateful in all things and for all things. And to, then to just, yes, bless it, let it go and, and let it be, let that generous, grateful spirit go with the thing 
and and go with go, go to whoever else it's supposed to go to you know what i like doing sometimes is um praying for the person who will own that next mm -hmm. and i i i like that because then i'm already thinking of another person's soul yeah um, and i'm thinking of a need that they have and again putting things in the proper perspective of them being created things yeah. not of this world we came into the world with nothing we can't take anything with us so mm -hmm. things are meant to be used yeah people before things i have to i have to remind myself of that a lot even yeah. not to get this conversation going again but like with christmas coming you know like trying to do to decide about gifts or even decor. You know, I love to decorate my house and it's just like, well, you know, is this going to impede my family from being together? Like right now we have four totes in our dining room and it's just kind of obnoxious. And I'm kind of like, maybe I should just quit. Like, I don't, I don't need to go full on, you know, Martha Stewart, Joanna Gaines and like every corner's touched by Christmas. I can just, I can just do what I did and now it's done and I can just put it away. I don't need to preoccupy myself with this whole, like it's going to be a winter wonderland in my house. Right. So, oh, right. okay. Well, Katie, I'm going to just kind of throw this at you. What, what practical tip would you give to people this week over the next two weeks to prepare themselves to let go? Um. Okay, so something we talked about was like throwing out a song idea. Oh yeah. Here's here's my song submission. I actually before I had an intake with a client, um I sent him this song. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, and it was the bare necessities from the jungle book. <laughs> now that's gonna be in my head. <laughs> okay, that song is gold. It's okay, so good. Know. Okay, so what about obviously the title but like what i can't even think what of the about words. your worries and your strife okay you know so he's talking about going through life with what do you need what do you need to go through your life yeah what you need and then stop worrying about everything and i i love the character of baloo he is not one to be taken very seriously of course but dang that song so good so Turn on some bare necessities and address that one pesky part of the house that you just can't stand. Every time I open this closet, I get so frustrated because it comes out at me. Okay, well then go make your life a little bit easier and address that shelf that's overflowing or go address that drop zone by the door where all the keys and the mail and the coats end up. Okay, we'll address that. Make some sense out of that. And so those places in our homes that are most frequented and that overwhelm us, go there and take a bite out of that. Mm -hmm. I think that was some of the best advice you gave me years ago on a day when I was feeling overwhelmed. And I either called you, I, I think I called you and you were like, just start with one drawer. Just just pick any drawer, just start with a drawer. And um, just so people are listening, I'm actually going through a lot of this. Like, so this isn't me coming at it from an expert level either, but just 
I'm actually on the journey right now because I do desire more out of my life and with my relationships. And, um, and I just happened to pick up Courtney Carver's book before we even like officially put the stamp on, like, we're doing a conversation about this. Like last time I had picked up the book and started reading it and it just couldn't have been more timely. Um, but I, I kind of am challenging myself. There are two things that she did that I'm going to challenge myself to do. So she has project 333. I don't know if I can do 33 items, but I am going to pare down my closet. And, and her, her thing is you don't have to give it away. Just pack it up. Yeah. So I'm actually going to do that with quite a bit of my stuff. Yeah. That actually, it gives me so much anxiety to just like one day, um, I guess I don't want that. And I don't want that. And then to like shove it out the door and to the thrift store, it, I just, that makes me so anxious that I just don't even want to do it. But when she was like, just pack it up and see if you miss it. Well, I had never thought of that. I had never thought of that. I saw all of my clients to do that. I'm like, you you can put it away, put it away somewhere. You don't have to part with it right now. But if you think about it and you want it, you need it in the next month, great, go get it out. It's fine. So I actually had a a real life experience with this unintentionally. And then we'll we'll kind of be on our merry way here. My parents came down for Thanksgiving. And let me back up a bit. When I was a young girl, I collected elephants. Like I still love elephants a lot but I don't collect them anymore. But when I was a kid, like junior high-ish, for Christmases, birthdays, if we would go on a trip somewhere, I would get an elephant. So I had quite a collection of elephants. But so I had this huge tub, like a, you know, a big tub full of all these figurines and all of that. So, and I knew that they were still at my parents' house. They've been at my parents' house my entire life. So I asked my mom to bring down my tub of elephants and I had no idea what was in this tub, except for, I could think of these little marble elephants and they were kind of like Matryoshka doll elephants, almost like big one, little, 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 little. And there were seven of them. And it was my first set of elephants I ever bought at the state fair here in Lincoln, Nebraska, um, when I was probably 12. And those were the only ones I could think of. And as so she brought this tub and as we're going through my girls are like whoa you have a ton of elephants and I'm like yeah and I'm looking on the bottoms because like my I have an uncle who's from Thailand and so he would come they would go to Thailand visit and bring me back an elephant and I love my uncle very much and my aunt and um so I would look on the bottom oh from you know my aunt and uncle and from mom and dad like I wrote who I got all this stuff from on the bottom But after we got them all unpacked, I was like, I really don't want any of these. I just want my marble ones because those were the ones that I was thinking about this entire time for what, 30 years, 32 years. Those are the only ones that I'm really like, I love those. Yeah. I just want those. And so to me, it was proof that like packing things up gives you just that separation where you can just be like, you know, I just keep thinking about that one thing or that one book of all the books. Like, so I'll pull that one out and then everything else can go, or I'll pull out those elephants and everything else can go, or the shirt and everything else. It's just, 
a good way of like, what do I find myself missing? And you know, there are two, two principles that come to mind here. And that is absence makes the heart grow fonder. People usually attribute to like love or relationships, people, but it applies here. So you didn't have those elephants for years. You kept thinking about, I remember that set. I want that set. Oh, I love that set. Right. So absence makes the heart grow fonder and out of sight, out of mind, baby. You didn't remember the other ones. You didn't care about the other ones. Great. And that brings so much clarity. That distance between you and the thing brings a lot of clarity to the question. Should I keep this? Yeah. You cannot make up your mind. Right. So yeah. that's great. That's a, that's a really good story for clarification. Yeah, it was really helpful to me and made me more excited to pack up my stuff. So if you have boxes and you live near me, bring them to me because I might need them. <laughs> my husband's going to be like, well, why don't you just get rid of it then? Like he he's just going to be like, why are you keeping it around if you're boxing it up? Anyway, that'll, that'll be a fun conversation to have with him because he doesn't actually know. I just kind of decided uh, the day before yesterday and we just haven't had time to do it, but but I'm going to do it because I just do want a simpler life. And I, and I, I think that's what God's asking me to do. Like everything in my life currently points to that. So, so good. Praise the Lord. Yeah. It's been fun again, Katie. So thank you. And Absolutely. we'll do it again. Okay. Can't wait. <laughs> okay. Artlist.io.